when someone is humble enough to let go of what they think, long enough to observe what actually is, and then has the courage to act on what they discover. I think that is inspired leadership. Welcome to Inspiring Leaders, the podcast that shares ideas, perspectives, and best practices from great leaders around the world to help you become a more inspired leader. Welcome back. It's great to have you back here with us again on the Inspiring Leaders podcast. We search the globe for awesome leadership perspectives to help you become a better leader. And today we're in search of the truth. But before I get ahead of myself here, allow me to share a little bit of perspective. Regular listeners will know me as a champion for new perspectives when it comes to leading people. I've worked for one dimensional leaders for many years typically commanding leaders who carry only one tool in their toolkit, and that is a hammer. To them, every project, every client, and every employee looks the same. They're all nails, and they all need to be pounded in harder and deeper. Fortunately, this commanding leadership style is fading away quickly, and our friends the millennials are making sure of that as they climb the proverbial corporate ladders and step into their roles of influence. We've enjoyed the perspectives of many millennials on previous episodes, and it's refreshing to hear their out-of-the-box ideas on how to engage and influence others. I, for one, love hearing from people who challenge the way things have been done, reframe opportunities, and find better ways of doing things which cause the rest of us to stop, think, and reconsider what we may have previously taken for granted. Well, our guest today has done just that. If you've never heard the name Dr. Jacob Kashiwagi, then you're in for a treat, because I'm predicting that this name is going to become very popular very quickly. Dr. Kashiwagi is the chairman of the Leadership Society of Arizona, and he's just come out with a brilliant new book called In Search of Truth, a definitive guide to answering life's toughest questions. And I was one of the fortunate few that was able to get an advanced peek at this very book not too long ago. So first off, Dr. Kashiwagi, a warm welcome to you and a huge thanks for joining us here. Thank you, Terry. You can just call me Jacob. It's great to be here. Well, Jacob, I can't wait to explore this idea, the idea that you've covered in your book, and I think that it's really worth sharing. But before we do that, I have to ask you this question, what or who inspires you? I'd have to say people. People inspire me, Terry. I've had the privilege of meeting many people in my life, some of who are considered very successful and some not so much, and some who have had a lot of wealth and some who have nothing. Everyone I've stopped to actually listen to and to learn about their life, I've been amazed by what they've gone through and accomplished. And I think it gives me motivation to continue to try to be better and to do more. Oh, I can relate to where you're coming from. It's one of the reasons that I do this particular show, bringing people in and just learning from their examples, their experience, and their lives. It truly is inspiring. As someone who loves reading about and researching leadership concepts, I want to extend a huge thanks to you for sharing your new book with me. And I also want you to know just how blown away I was when reading it. This is not the same old, same old kind of leadership book that we typically find at Amazon. 
what you've written is something significantly different and powerfully valuable. Thank you, Terry. I'm flattered. The funny thing is that none of the ideas in my book are new. They're just not usually taught. For the last 20 years, I've been researching the greatest and most successful minds in history, and I've extracted from them amazing principles that have been forgotten, but are the key to success and happiness. So you're actually getting the wisdom from the brightest minds that have ever lived. Hundreds of years of wisdom. I guess I can't really take credit for my own book. But I do have a unique way to explain leadership principles, though. This is due to my engineering background. My undergrad was in industrial engineering, then I went into construction management. But usually you don't think about engineering and people going together. So when you get an engineer who loves people, it brings a unique perspective. Well, you definitely do have a unique perspective. And as I was reading through that book, it really did strike me that you have a very good way of putting things. I think what impressed me the most is how you take scenarios that we can all relate to and then you connect them to the timeless wisdom and the truths that you were just referring to and those surprisingly insightful and enormously helpful ideas. And what really helped me to appreciate your message was how you illustrate these concepts through those stories that you just referenced. You're quite the storyteller, Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> You're very kind, Terry. I've been fortunate to have experienced a lot in my life. Before I was 15, I had already traveled the world twice due to my father being in the military and had the privilege of being exposed to many different things. I've also made a lot of mistakes in my life, and these always make for good stories. Well, I think I've got a few t-shirts on making mistakes in my life as well. <laughs> so if you will, give us an idea of what people can expect when they pick up this book. What do you mean by In Search of the Truth, and how is this likely to change people's perspectives? So Terry, in the age of complexity and information, where everybody wants more, In Search of Truth is trying to teach a perspective that simplifies life and minimizes the need for information. In a way, I say it will teach a person how to know everything without knowing anything. Imagine the ability to know the best course of action in any scenario without any training or experience. And so it teaches a model of learning that actually requires no brain power. Have you ever heard of anything like this before, Terry? No, you know what? This is absolutely fascinating to me. Like I said, this is what really struck me, and this is what I hope to share with our audience today. This is nothing new. Automation has been doing this to jobs everywhere. They create some type of technology that makes it easier to fly, makes it easier to drive, makes it easier to remember things. And this is actually what I'm trying to do with leadership. It sort of automates it so that you don't have to think so much, but you always know the right thing to do. Yeah. Now, Terry, this is not just a theory or an idea that I made up. I want you to remember. This is a model. It's a foundation for what I call the best value approach. It's a business model, which happens to be the most licensed technology that has ever come out of Arizona State University. It's been tested for 26 years all over the world and has saved many large organizations millions of dollars. Fascinating. I used this model when I was still in college. I was just 24 years old. I had no experience. 
I was being put to manage professionals that had been in the industry longer than I had lived on the earth. <laughs> People who had more than 30 years of experience. Yeah. I was delivering complex services that sometimes I barely understood what it even was. The beauty of this is that with this model, the less you know, the more intelligent and successful you actually become. You can say I became an expert at knowing nothing. That sounds like a pretty big promise, Jacob. So the next question I want to ask is how? How can you know everything without knowing anything? Terry, the answer is simple. Uh, you just have to learn to stop using your brain and open your eyes. That sounds like every day for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very simple idea, but information is everywhere. Yeah. The answer is always out there. It's just, are you able to see it? There's a religious phrase that describes a lot of people today, and it's, they have eyes to see but don't see, and ears to hear but they don't hear. Yeah. And one of the things I found in society is we have been teaching people at a very young age to close their eyes. And it's because in education, we teach every person this idea of you need to think. Yeah. Parents, teachers, and most leaders tell their children this common phrase, go think about it. And it's because they thought thinking will help people to learn, but they didn't realize that the thinking is actually what's causing all of the issues. Thinking doesn't help people to learn. It brings them risk. It's like telling someone to close their eyes when they're playing football. The risk of getting really injured goes way up when you do that. But that is what we are doing when we're telling people to think. Thinking is like closing your eyes. You only use what's in your own mind. And so you shut off the ability to actually see anything new. I'm going to get you to delve a little deeper into this because closing our eyes and just thinking, yes, it's the way that we've all been taught. This is fascinating to me. So how does this all work? Well, let me give you an example. Imagine me holding up a water bottle. I call this simple or dominant because if I released it, which way will it fall? Well, it's going to fall down. Did you have to think about that, Terry? Well, no. When it's simple, when you understand, you don't have to think. Now, when it's simple, do you have more risk or less risk in your life? Well, less risk. And do you have more stress and worry or less stress and worry? <laughs> less stress for sure. So actually, the less you think, the less risk and stress you have. The more you think, the more risk and stress you have, and the more complicated it becomes. Right. Whenever we teach students to think, we are actually teaching them a model that brings them risk and stress into their lives. And it's no wonder when I look around, depression, mental illness, and suicide rates are at an all-time high. The thinking model is what brings it. When I was at the university, I taught an honors course, which is the top 10% of students at ASU. Yeah. And what I found to be the biggest issue is that students could not sleep at night. They had been taught to think so much that they no longer could shut their mind off. Now, the opposite of thinking is observation. When you think, you only use the information in your own head. You shut out any new information from the outside. And how will you learn if you don't let any new information in? And the answer is you can't. 
That is why thinking brings risk. This is the function of our mind is a single track instrument. It can think of one thing at a time. And if we're occupying it with our thoughts and trying to figure things out, then it's relatively ignoring the information and the stimulus that's coming in from our eyes. Yes. Now, many people say, well, what do you want people to do? The opposite of thinking is observation. The quicker you learn that reality or truth is more important than what is in your head, the quicker you will start to open your eyes and pay attention. I teach high school students all the time to stop thinking. I tell them as soon as you have to think, it means you don't understand. Instead of using your inaccurate and inadequate information in your brain, go find someone who's an expert that already knows. They can make it simple for you so you can understand without thinking. And if you always ask for help from people who know, then in essence, you know everything without knowing anything. I have found that older people in life know this concept really well. Oftentimes, you will find a grandfather, someone who's older, who doesn't know technology, that they want to create an email account or do something with technology. Often you find that they get someone much younger than them to create the account to even send the email. And you find that older people have no issue with getting help from others. In a way, it actually makes a much easier life. You find that they sit down and the younger person does all the work. I tell my students there are thousands of people graduating college each year in every field. But how many of those people know how to utilize the expertise of their classmates to do something that adds jobs and value to society? I tell them in our day, it is better to know how to utilize expertise than to be the expert. The person who knows how to utilize the expertise of others is a person who knows everything without knowing anything. And this is the true leader. From what I see, all jobs will eventually be automated. But the one that can't be automated is a leader who can observe what's going on and to utilize resources and people and put them in the right place. This is really fascinating. Let me put this in perspective so that I can relate to this. The reason that some of our parents are better at this than we are may be because they're used to this old master and apprentice model that had been around for so long before the internet was around and people could look things up and figure things out for themselves. They needed somebody who knew the answers or had walked the path before them. This is why mentorship is such an effective means of learning or even coaching. Definitely. In fact, what they find out is there are studies done on apes. They're very intelligent. And they find that apes can actually do everything that humans can do. But the one thing they found out that apes will not do is they will not try to teach other. They can imitate, they can copy, but it never crosses their mind to actually try to teach somebody else. And that is why humans are so intelligent. Because humans have found that teaching other people, looking out for them, actually is something that increases learning greatly. Isn't that something? Wow. Now, of course, you have to be open to it. And that's why my main message is trying to get people to shut their mind down so that they can listen and learn from other people. Many people ask, well, if you don't know anything 
and you're relying on other people. How do you know if the person that you're listening to is an expert? Now, the trick is, if you know nothing, then someone has to explain things very simply to enable you to understand what's going on. The only people who can explain things simply is someone who is an expert, who actually knows. True. When I was young, I would tell professionals, don't make me think. Because if I have to think, then I have risk. And if I have risk, the answer is always no. You better make this such a good deal that everyone can see it. <laughs> I like that. This little discussion we had on not thinking and on trying to listen more and understand more from reality, it's a good example of what type of ideas you'll find in my book. I just want to reiterate how blown away I was when I picked up this book and I started reading it. Folks, if you have a chance to pick up this book, do so. This is going to push you outside of your comfort zone. This is going to get you to consider things, to see through a different perspective. This is really going to challenge what you may have been led to believe is an effective way at approaching many things in your life. Before we jump too much farther, I do have some questions for you, Jacob. Is that okay? Yes. Okay, here's my first one. What challenges do you see facing a lot of the leaders that are out there today? Terry, I believe the biggest challenge that all leaders face today is the same challenge they have always faced, and that is overcoming themselves, being able to lower their pride, and learning actually what Socrates already learned, that he knows nothing. A man's life changes drastically when he finds out he knows nothing. Now, I'm Asian, I'm Japanese, Terry, and if you want to know of a life-changing event, that is when a 15-year-old Japanese boy realizes that he doesn't know everything in the world. You mean a 15-year-old boy figured out that he doesn't know everything? You must be the <laughs> only one, Jacob. <laughs> it, it is a life-changing experience when you find out that you know a lot less than you thought you did. Yeah. And when you find this out, you tend to listen more. Yeah. And you tend to be more likely to forgive. Right. You are more likely to observe what's happening around you. You're more likely to ask for help. I always say the wisest man is a man that stops and asks for direction before his wife tells him he is lost. Oh, that is so true. Did I ever learn that one the hard way? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love this. This is good. Here's my next question for you, Jacob. What does inspired leadership mean to you? Now, to me, when someone is humble enough to let go of what they think, long enough to observe what actually is, and then has the courage to act on what they discover, I think that is inspired leadership. When I look at it, the movies have known this for a long time. You always find the hero or the leader when they're in a tough situation or when nothing is going right. They always go out and try to find themselves. They stop. This could be going to meditate in seclusion with monks or going back to their roots or learning to relax and enjoy people again. But during this time of seeking, they always find something that they missed about reality. And once they figure it out, then you see them go back and do something great and create an amazing effort. And this is what I believe we call inspired leadership. Wow, that is truly unique. Not once have I heard 
anybody come on this show and explain it like that. You take me back to the old Rocky movies, you know, after he got beat to a pulp <laughs> and then he retreats back. And I think it was Rocky 65 when he goes off to that log cabin and he finds his solitude and he looks deep within himself and finds that inner strength that allows him to go back to his roots. My goodness, did you ever nail that one? Just love it. <laughs> well, thank you. What a great example. Well, folks, there we have it. This is another inspiring leader with spectacular perspectives that I strongly recommend for anybody out there who really wants to take their level of leadership up to the next level. Dr. Jacob Kashiwagi, thank you again. Huge thanks to you for joining us here on the show, sharing this fundamental message with us. When your book hits national bestseller status, I hope that you're still going to take our calls, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, Terry. And thanks for having me. It's been really fun. We're going to put all of the links to you on LinkedIn, your website, to your book. All of that's going to be in the show notes. People just scroll right down and you'll find all of that good stuff right there. Sound good? Sounds great. And a huge thanks to you, our audience, for checking in with us this month on the Inspiring Leaders podcast. You're the reason why we search the globe for the best of the best, just like Dr. Jacob Kashiwagi. We are determined to make inspired leadership ubiquitous. We really appreciate your comments and ratings on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, on Ubiquity's website, or wherever you tune in. Keep those comments coming, and thanks for your attention today. Take care, everybody, and bye for now. Thank you.